So there was a little farm boy, and he was, he was uh, this is long ago when they had horse and wagon, and he was going down the, the road, and he had a wagon full of corn. The wagon turned over, and, and, and he was like, oh, my goodness. And, and he was just distraught. And there was a farmer uh, in the house right there by the road, and he said, Clarence, hey, man, no big deal. Why don't you come on in the house and eat some dinner with Ma, with Ma and I, and, and just don't forget. Just forget about it. We'll, we'll get it later. We'll, we'll get that thing turned back up over, over later. And, and he goes, well, I don't think Pa would like that if I did that, sir. He goes, ah, don't worry about it. Come on, don't, don't worry about Paul. Just, just come on and get something to eat. You'll feel good. So he said, all right, but I don't think Paul's going to like this. He said, ah, come on in. So they came in, and they, Clarence ate. He ate till he couldn't eat anymore. Cornbread, mashed potatoes. Come on, somebody. It was a delicious meal. And finally, he wiped his mouth. He told the farmer, and he said, listen, thank you, man. I feel a lot better. It really feels good, but I, I'm not sure Paul's going to like me doing this. He goes, ah, don't worry about your Paul. And by the way, where's your Paul at anyway? He goes, he's under the wagon. <laughs> uh, this morning I want to talk a little bit about marriage. Uh, I want to talk about love. I want to talk about relationships. Now, some of you are like, well, you know, I'm, I'm single. I'm, I'm not into, you know, that. Or I've done that. have a t-shirt. I, I know everything is about that. Well, well, I'm not so sure that's true. But I believe this morning you're, there's going to be something in this for everyone. Even if you're, like, older and you, you, you're single and you don't ever want to get married again, I still believe that in your future you're going to be talking to people that need marriage or relational advice. Listen, we live in a world full of people. And people are in trouble, and people need help. And so what better person to help them than you, right? And so we want to talk about relationships a little bit and, and, and what that looks like from God's perspective. And so, so how, let me ask this question before we begin. How many here have ever been in trouble? Raise your hand. You've been in trouble before. You've been in trouble? Okay, I think that's all of us. How many have been in deep trouble before? You know what I'm talking about, deep trouble? The, the, the kind, you know, where the blue lights, you know, are flashing behind you. That's trouble. That's trouble. That's trouble. <laughs> but, 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 but not only just deep, the, the, the blue lights flashing, but, but if you're running from the law because, you know, you're a criminal, that's really deep trouble. Come on now. Uh, we're, we're talking about deep trouble. Deep trouble. I remember the first time I ever experienced my stomach uh, just in knots because I was in trouble. Uh, was well, was in third grade. Not that that's the first time I was ever in trouble, but this is the first thing that comes to my mind. When I was in third grade. I was in the playground. We were all playing, and all of a sudden, I saw a group of people like circle up, and I so I ran over to see what all my peers were doing, and I pushed through the circle, and there in the middle of the circle were two uh, boys in my class fist fighting and wrestling and, and going at it. I mean, nose bleeding, everything's going on. They're grabbing, they're pulling, they're scratching. And, and everyone is standing around going, go, 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 go. And I was, this was the first time in my life I'd ever seen a physical fight between two people. 
I, I was appalled. I was in shock. I was in shock that no one was doing anything. I said, somebody do something. <laughs> and no one, they didn't hear me. They were like, go, 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 go. And so I jumped on top of the guy that was on top of the guy on the ground. And I grabbed him by the neck and pulled him around the, the shoulder. And I started pulling him off while he's punching this other guy. I said, stop it, stop it. And while I pulled him off and I kind of got him to the side. When I did, the guy on the ground pulled me down and start punching me. And then the guy that I pulled off is on top of me and he's punching the guy below me. I'm getting punched in the middle and about that time is when the teacher showed up. And they see me right in the middle, two guys punching each other and me, 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 me right there. She goes, to the office right now, to the office. And she picks three, four other guys that were watching and away we went to the office. I'm like, what? I'd never been to the office in my life. And suddenly my stomach went into, it went into calisthenics that I couldn't explain. And all things were going up and down and around. And, and, and they're just, they're, they're walking to the office like, like, like it's normal. And I'm like, hey, whoa, hey, slow down. We got to think about this, you know? And, and they're like, oh, be quiet. You know? And so they, they show up in the principal's office. And I literally, he's sitting behind the desk. He goes, what is this all about? And I heard y'all were fighting on the playground. Is that true? And I literally threw myself onto his desk. Mr. Principal, I, I, I witnessed it. I promise you, I witnessed it. I start crying. I'm, I'm crying. I'm bawling. I am crying. And the other guy, all the other kids are like, what a jerk, you know? And, and so, so anyway, he and uh, the, the three, the two guys fighting and myself got punished to sit at recess on the bench outside of his office for two solid weeks. It was the longest two weeks of my life. I hated that experience. I hated the memory. I even think about of the knots in the stomach. Now, I've had lots of knots in my stomach since then. Come on. But that was the first time I'd ever been in that deep of a trouble. I believe there's people that they've been in trouble. They are in trouble. And the question is, what do you do when you are in trouble? What do you do when you feel like you're in a dead-end relationship? What do you do when you feel like you've messed up the relationships that you have had and they're beyond repair? What do you do when you feel like you're in a hopeless situation? Better yet, do you even remember the emotions that came when you felt like you were in a trapped situation involving a relationship? Do you remember those feelings? Do you remember what it felt like to lose your appetite and to stay up all night long worrying and fretting about how this thing's going to play out? Do you remember worrying and stressed out and anxious and not eating anything because and can't sleep because of some things that you probably should have not said that you said, or maybe some things that were said that, that hurt you and how you've been hurt so bad and you've lost your energy, you can't sleep, you, you, have, no, you have no sense of vision, you feel absolutely like a failure? How do you crawl out of a situation when you have really found yourself in a deep, deep place called trouble? How, would, how many people would like to know what you do? Raise your hand. Okay. For those that you don't want to know, I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> and the answer is you got to look for the door. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, look for the door. Look for the door. We're going to read our text this morning, and then I'm going to give you a little backdrop of it, and then we're going to talk a little bit. It's found in the book of Hosea, chapter 1, verse 2. 
And when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, Hosea is a prophet. Now you're going to be shocked that this is even the Bible, but this is in your Bible. The Lord said to him, go and take to yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in, in departing from the Lord. So this is a story about a preacher and a prostitute. Y'all listening to me? Y'all like, whoa, this is going to be good, right? <laughs> a preacher and a prostitute. It's in the Bible? Yes, that's in the Bible. It's in our Bible right here. Hosea was a good man. He loved God with all of his heart. He was a godly man, full of integrity, full of character. He wanted to please God at every angle of his life. He was a speaker for God. He prophesied in behalf of the Lord. Everywhere he went, he would try to cause people to have a fresh desire and hunger for the God that he knew in a personal way. He was raised to know the Lord. He, he came from a family that loved God. And, and, and this man just had one desire in his life, and that, that is just to somehow live holy, clean, and, and, and abstain from all sorts of immorality until, until the Lord showed him a wife that would be his wife. And he practiced something that we don't practice today called abstinence. I don't know if you know what that word means, but it means no sex before you get married. Something that people need to hear about today. And so he, he lived this life full of righteousness and holy. And, and, and he's like, God, I, I, I'm looking for my wife. I'm looking for my wife. I can't wait for you to give me my wife. And the Lord comes to him and goes, I found you a wife. He's like, oh, I, I'm, I gotta, I'm gonna get a wife. Now I'm gonna take a little liberty here for a moment and just, this isn't what in, really in the Bible what I'm about to say, we'll just play along because it could have been absolutely this way. But, but he, he's thinking to himself, well, you know, maybe it's that, maybe it's that girl on the praise team. She just, she, she just arrived recently and she's pretty cute and she's single. Maybe it's that, maybe it's that pastor's daughter. I know she's, she's looking for a husband. That would be pretty cool. Marry her and, and all that. Or maybe, maybe it's the, that girl that just got back from spending a year on the mission field. I, I met her. She's that pretty brunette a few weeks ago. Man, she seems like she'd be a really fun girl to be married to and I don't know. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's that uh, that that redhead that uh, that serves at the soup kitchen on the other side of town, and 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 that she would be nice. That that would be good. Or maybe it's that other girl I met a few weeks ago at the singles group, and the, and they were they were talking. She was talking about how she tutors these two kids uh, all the time after school, and she brings a a, a, a van load to the church. I, that that's probably who God's got for me. I, I wonder who it is. And and God says, Jose, I want you to go to the other part of town. And I, I want you to find your wife. And he's like, well, well that, that's not a good part of town. But that's okay. She's probably over there doing some witnessing. I, I'm going I'm to show, I'm going to find my wife. She's on the street evangelizing. That's what I'm going to do. And he shows up and he's walking down this pretty shady area of town. And there on the corner is a prostitute. In fact, there's several prostitutes working the streets that night. And there's a girl, she's got that fishnet hose on her legs. Come on, somebody. <laughs> she's got them high 
red heels like them platform heels. You know, not just high heels, but the platform type of heels. And she's got that, she's got that tight, really, really, really short, mini, mini, mini skirt, that black leather kind. Come on. <laughs> With that white tight blouse and a black you know, a jacket, a leather jacket on. She got a cigarette in her mouth. She got a heavy lipstick on. She got some really dark, you know, mascara around her eyes. And, and she's looking down the street and she sees Hosea coming. And, and the Lord says to Hosea, There she is. So I think I'm missing God here. I'm missing the Lord. Something's going on. I, I don't think I'm hearing right. No, that's, that's your wife right there. I got her for you. you you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna marry her because, because I'm going to use you, Hosea, to, to do me. Uh, uh, you're going to preach with your life a message to the nation of Israel. You're going to be a type, if you would, for me, Hosea, uh, of, of my love for this nation called Israel. And you're going to marry her and, and you're going to show Israel what it's like for God to be married to this nation called Israel. It's going to be a picture of my love for people. And the Bible says that Hosea obeyed him. He obeyed God. And I don't believe he obeyed God because he's like, well, this is just the worst thing I could have ever imagined for my life. I'll, okay, God, I'm going to obey you. I'm just going to do it because you told me to do it. I, I believe God put something inside of Hosea where he genuinely fell in love with this woman. Because if he truly is a type of Jesus Christ, then let me just say Jesus didn't come to the earth just because he had to. He came to the earth because he wanted to. And there was a love inside of him for people. And so Hosea had this supernatural, I believe, experience where he fell in love with this woman of the world. Can I tell you, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him would not perish, oh, but have eternal life. Jesus didn't come to the earth just because he had to obey God. He came to the earth because he wanted and he was in love with with us just the way we are. Aren't you glad that God loves you just the way you are? And it was a supernatural love for her. Can I tell you that God loves you not because of all the things you've done that are good things. And I'm thankful that you do a lot of good things. I'm thankful that you show up at a place like this on a Sunday morning. I'm thankful that you give tithes. I'm thankful you give offerings. I'm thankful that you witness to people on the streets. I'm thankful that you love your neighbors. You love yourself. I'm thankful that you love your kids and you raise them up to love God. I'm thankful that you read your Bible. I'm thankful that you learn your scriptures. I'm thankful that you're memorizing promises. I'm thankful that you pray. But can I tell you, of all those things that you do that you think are good, God doesn't love you because you do those things. God just loves you because he loves you. And because you're a person and because you're important and God loves people. Regardless of what you do or don't do for him. So this Hosea, this type of Jesus, this preacher looking for a bride finds a prostitute. He finds us. He finds people who've been in toxic relationships. 
He finds people that don't even really know how to communicate with the other person in the marriage. He finds people that don't really know how to work through conflict. He finds people that don't know how to apologize. He finds people that are ashamed or allergic to even apologizing or saying, I'm sorry. He finds people with a filthy mouth. He finds people with flaws uh, and hangups and habits and addictions. And he finds people that hurt other people that fall asleep at night after hurting someone else uh, and sleep like a baby. He finds these kind of people and he finds us and Jesus comes and he came out of luxury and he moved into our neighborhood and he sees all of us with all of our problems uh, and he put his eye on us uh, and he says, I'm going to grab you out of the red light district. I'm going to put my hand uh, on your hand uh, and I'm going to pull you out of this mess uh, and I'm going to give you a purpose uh, because God's got a plan for your life. Uh, I love you just the way you are. Mm. And I am going to marry you. Oh, it's one thing to fall in love. It's one thing to pull somebody and rescue them out of a mess. Uh, but it's a whole other thing when you pull that person and out of that bad situation and you put a ring on their finger and you say, now this is who I am. I am this person. I'm going to be associated with this person. When you see me, you see her. When you see her, you see me. I'm going to be this person so they get married. And perhaps they had a wonderful marriage at the beginning. Hosea's ministry begins to grow. He's now on radio and now he's on television. He's got blogs all over the place and people are liking him on Facebook by the thousands. And he's, he's just the man. He's the man of the hour for Israel at that time. Meanwhile, his wife is at home with their three kids and she's getting weary of taking care of the kids all the time. And she's, she's, she hardly sees Hosea much and she's off doing God's business and preaching for God and doing what he does. And, 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 and she's like, she looks down at her body one day and she sees after three kids, I, I, you know, I, I don't look like I used to look. I, I, don't, I don't feel like I used to feel. I used to be attractive. I used to be somebody all the guys wanted to look at me now. And all I do is sit around, you know, well and talk with other old women about things that are going on in the community that I could care less about. I, I want to have some fun again. Where's all the fun? I want to have some. I got to get my body back in shape. She joins the gym, goes down to the gym and she's working out and she comes across this cute little trainer and they kind of hook up and he's helping her out. And there's nothing against trainers because I like trainers and trainers are good and there's a lot of good ones. But this one was a, a worldly trainer. Can I say it like that? And he, 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 he wasn't in it just to help her. He was looking in it to see what perhaps he could get out on the side and he's helping her out and he talking to her as she's working out and he's talking to her about the parties he was at this past weekend and, and how drunk he got and how many, you know, how many parties he's got planned up for the next weekend. And he's just having this kind of conversation with her while she's doing the workouts. And one day she does her little squats uh, and she's going back to put it back up on the rack and she's having a little trouble and he puts his hand on her back uh, and he helps her up a little bit. Uh, she racks the weights uh, and he kind of leaves his hand there a little bit longer than and he probably should have. And yeah, he did. <laughs> and she looked at him and he looked at her. Something happened right there. In her heart, something happened. She went home and she liked him on Facebook and started 
texting them and how you doing tonight. And Jose is out preaching at some crusade on the other side of the country. And she goes to work out the next day and she's doing some sit-ups and he's holding her legs. And when she gets done with her sit-ups, he just kind of caresses her leg a little bit, stares at her, their eyes lock. And she says in her heart, I like that. And I want that. And I miss that. He finds me attractive. I haven't talked to Jose in a while and don't even know what he's really doing, but this man finds me attractive. And so she finds a babysitter for her kids that weekend and rendezvous with her trainer. And they connect and they do what people do in those kids' situations and found a hotel and spent the weekend together. And she feels like she came alive again. Someone loves her just the way she is. Oh, this is wonderful. This is, this is, this, I miss this. Oh, I just miss, I miss this. I miss that lifestyle again. I miss the fun. I miss the, the attraction. I miss the lights. I miss, you know, hopping from bar to bar. I miss all that kind of stuff. This is, this is, this is what I know. This is who I am. And, and so they, they, they she just kind of just leaves. She just begins to, she leaves her family, leaves the kids. She, she writes a note and says, Jose, I'm gone. I'm out of here. And she leaves uh, Oh, the kids with Hosea's parents and she goes and chases after this guy and, and after a few months of this he goes tired of her and, and he kind of just he says I'm done with you and so she, she finds another guy she had met at a bar the night before and she hooks up with him and that leads to another dead end relationship to another guy and to another guy and to another guy and before you know it she's back on the streets uh, she's got her herself a pimp uh, and she's living the same lifestyle she lived before only this time she's got three kids uh, from a man who loves God with all of her heart. What do you do when you are in a mess? Hmm. And God speaks to Jose in chapter two and says, son, I want you to go down to where that woman is, your wife. She's in this place. I'll give her back her vineyard. She's I want to do a restoration work in her and, and I'm going to make this valley of Acor a door of hope for her. And she will respond as in the days of her youth, as, as in the days she came out, out of Egypt. God says to Hosea, what he's saying is, I want you to go back and I want you to find it inside of you to love this woman again. And you can imagine the argument that perhaps Hosea had God, God, you... You told me to marry this woman and, and I did my best to restore. I did my best to forgive her. I did my best to, to introduce her to the things of God. I, I've walked with this woman. God, we had three kids together. We've got memories together. I loved, I loved this woman, but God, I, I had to say goodbye. I had to let her go. I, she, she, she wanted the world, and, and, but God says, so Jose, listen, son, I'm wanting you to go back uh, and I want you to rescue her. She's on an auction block. She's being auctioned off by a pimp. It's in your Bible. She's being auctioned off. I want you to go buy her back and I want you to make her your wife again. There's still hope for this lady. There's still hope for this woman. There's still hope for this world. There's still hope for people that don't know Jesus. And I want you to go find 
this door of Achor, this door of hope in the valley of Achor. Achor is a word that comes from the word Achan. Achan was a man that was part of the Israelite family when the Israelites came into their promised land and they overtook Jericho. God helped them wipe it out. God said, now this is the first fruit. I get all the first fruits of this city. This is the first city of many cities you're gonna take, but all the gold, all the silver of this city is gonna be mine. You I get all the first. I'm, I get the first fruit of everything. So so, so he, he said, I, I don't want you taking anything. And so, but there was this one guy named Achan, and he's like, you know what? They got so much gold and so much silver in this place. They're not going to miss a few bars of gold or silver. And some of these nice little garments they have, I, I'll just kind of hide and take them, sneak them in my little tent, and I'll, I'll just put them in there. No one will ever know. God, you know, no one will ever know. Smith said, I even did it. And, and I'll use it. I'll cash it in down the road when time, times are tough, and maybe buy a bigger farm when we settle into the promise saying, but God saw Achan and God said, I'm not going to allow this to happen. And God called him out. You read the story and literally through different types of lots to being, anyway, God calls him out and says to, um, to Joshua and the leaders, this man and his wife uh, have buried the silver and gold. There are problems here. And, and they found their silver and the gold that they had buried. And God said, now you're going to have to deal with this guy. And the, the whole nation and picked up stones and they stoned Achan and his wife, his kids, everything he owned. He lost his entire inheritance. He lost his entire family. That's called Achan. And this Achan is where they get this word Achor, the Valley of Achor. This is a place where it's a lot of trouble. This is a place where you lost your family. This is a place uh, where your family didn't even come out of this mess. Uh, this is a mess that's so bad uh, that, you're, that even God isn't pleased. Even God is uh, hurt uh, by what you've done. This is a bad, bad, bad place. And God says to Hosea, you go find this woman for she will be as one who's in the valley of trouble, a valley of Achor. Every, she's lost her lineage. She's lost everything that's important to her. She's lost her identity. But guess what? Hosea, I want you to go and I want you to find her and I want you to bring her back because there's a door of hope for her. There's a door of hope for her. A door of hope. When it looks like everything's being destroyed. Job says in chapter 14, verse 7 through 9, he says, at least there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, it will sprout again. And its new shoots will not fail. Its roots may grow old in the ground, its stump die in the soil. Yet at the scent of water, everybody say scent of water. Scent of water, it speaks to the Spirit of God. At the sense of the, the scent of the Spirit of God, this old stump will bud and put forth shoots like a plant again. When the family tree has been cut down, when it looks like your heritage is completely dead, can I just tell you, as long as you can grab a hold of a scent of the Spirit of God, there is hope. Come on, if you can just... I, I don't see water. 
but I smell water. I, I smell, I, 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 I sense it, I sense, I sense it. If you can just grab a scent of water, then there is hope and God will cause something that's dead, cut off, spoiled, rotten in the ground and cause it to spring forth with new life because you had a scent of water. If you can smell it, you can have it, baby. You can get it all. It's the spirit of God. And the Spirit of the Lord is hovering even over this place even now. And the Spirit of the Lord is coming over your spirit and your soul. And he's saying to you and reminding you, you may say it's all gone. You may say it's all dead. You may say you've gone to a place that you can never be redeemed. But let me remind you, my friend, that if you can smell the Spirit of God, if you can sense that he's here and that he still loves you, your root will grow again in the name of Jesus. It will grow again. When the family has been cut down, what do you do? How do you have a great marriage? How do you have a great marriage? Well, there's two options. You can do everything right, and you'll have a good marriage. But how many know that's not going to happen? Nobody here is going to do that, including me. Or you can... Walk through the valley together until you find the door of hope. Amen. You see, we live in a society where we don't like to take responsibility for our mistakes. It's, it's really hard to say I'm sorry, isn't it? How many loved waking up and just saying, I'm sorry? The first thing he just says, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Saying, saying I'm sorry is hard. They found, researchers found 10% of the population of America refused to ever say, I'm sorry. Don't marry that person. In fact, probably the best thing you could do when you wake up, if you are married, is turn to your spouse and say, I'm sorry, because you're gonna say one day, one way or another that day, no matter what happens, right? Just say, I'm sorry. Well, for what? I don't know, but I'm going to be sorry for something. I'm just getting it out of the way. Because we all mess up. We all sin. And there is no such thing as a 50-50 relationship. That's a bill of goods that's been sold to you. It's not 50-50 anything. When you are in a relationship, it's 100-100. You bring everything you have to the table. You put all the chips in. You, you don't take 50% and put them in and go, if you put 50% in, then we'll have 100 and I'll keep my 50, you keep your 50 and we'll have a good marriage or relationship. No, you put everything in. They put everything they in. And when, that, and when you have the results, you don't have a 50-50. You got a 100-100. You got a 200% marriage, my friend. Yeah. And you quit shifting blame. You take ultimate radical responsibility when you make a mistake. One of the things we taught at the marriage retreat this past weekend is how to apologize. Five different steps of apologies. How do you do that? How do you, how do you say I'm sorry to someone? How do you mean that? What does that look like? And, 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 and what's your response when there's been some kind of a, 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 a decision made or some kind of an action that was wrong on your part? You take radical responsibility and you repent. You apologize. You ask for forgiveness. You grab their hand. Can I have you, Melissa, come up and join me for just a second? Come on. Come on, please, if you don't mind. Happy Valentine's Day, by the way. I love you. 
We've been married 28 years. 29 and two months. I love you. So, we've had a few problems in our marriage, wouldn't you say? We've had to work through some stuff. You're not going to talk, are you? <laughs> are you, you, you have... I was just, I didn't know what I did yesterday. I, we did this uh, assignment for everybody at the marriage retreat, and we had them all take some time away, and they wrote each other a love letter. And so I wrote, you know, a love letter. Have you read my love letter yet? No. You know, but, well, I'm going to give it to you later on. And, uh, <laughs> but in that love letter that I wrote to you, I began to think of all the places that the Lord has taken us in our life since we've been married, different cities perhaps, and different situations. And I began to think of all these hard times that we'd gone through. We've been through a few. Situations that we've been in where we didn't really realize what's this going to look like on the other side. I mean, I, we could say probably with great confidence that there's been several situations, many situations where, where we're walking through something and we're like, I don't think this is going to turn out good on the other. This is just, I don't see anything good coming out of this. Am I talking to anybody this morning? I just don't, I don't know, you know, maybe it's you. Maybe you're, it's you, you just got fired from a job. Maybe you got let go. Maybe someone uh, really hurt your reputation. They attacked your character. and It's really hurt your, your standing in the, the community or your family or things like that. And, 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 and you're going through stuff and you're like, I don't see anything good coming out of this. And, 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 and so I began to reflect on that in my little letter to you that you're going to read later on. And, and, and I, began to, I began to think about how all these times God took these situations and he made it miraculously good. And so basically what we did was we just lived our life hand in hand. We would have long conversations. We would talk at the breakfast table. We would talk at the dining room table. After the kids went to sleep, we would pray. We would talk some more. We would pray and talk some more hand in hand, and, and we're, looking for, we're looking for God to show up. We're looking for God to do something because we know that God's hand is upon our life. We know that our hearts are right. We know that we've asked for forgiveness. We've re repented of everything we know that there is to be repent of, and we're right together. We've sought his face. Uh, there's something that God has for us, and we keep holding on to one another. We keep talking through situations, and we come eventually to this thing that we didn't know was even in our it was there all along. It was just waiting for us. To be, it was just waiting almost as if it was waiting for us to be found. And God shows us through a phone call, through a conversation, through some kind of situation. And we put our hand together on this door. And suddenly we see there's something on the other side that he has for us. And we walk through. And we go, oh, God, I didn't know you had all this planned. Mm. We were talking about that last night. I didn't know you had all this. What was that? I don't know what that was. That was trouble. <laughs> that was like a valley of trouble. What was this? 
Oh God, that's the door of hope. You showed us the door of hope. Can I tell you, my friend, whatever situation you are in, there is always a door of hope. So you walk. You walk by yourself if you're single. You walk together if you're married. You walk. I'll close with this. Worship team wants you to come on up and if you don't mind, we'll close with this. I love the thought that love never fails. Love never fails. I love the thought in Jeremiah 29 where God says, I, 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 have, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope, plans to give you a future. You're going to call on me, he said, and, 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 and you're going to come and you're going to pray to me and I'm going to listen to you. And you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. With all of your heart. I will be found by you and I will bring you back from captivity. There was these times in my life as there are times in yours and will be. I would remember as a single, I'll just reach out to the singles even in the room this morning, those in those situations. I remember I was in my mid-20s and you know, all of my friends had already, most of them gotten married by now and I was thinking, okay, you know, I love Jesus and I'm, there's no one on the radar and I read this incredible passage of scripture in the book of Matthew where it says to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul. It says to seek first the kingdom of God. He said, when I read that, seek first the kingdom of God, he said to me, I, and, I will, and I will add all these things to you. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then, then, then I, I'll add to you. I'll, I'll give to you the things that you need, son. I'll, I'll do that. I read that scripture. I'm like, yes, God, I'm going to lean into that. And I'm going to give my whole life to that thought that if I will seek you with all of my heart, if I'll seek with all of my mind, if I'll seek with all of my strength, that you will take care of my future because there is a door of hope for me somewhere. And you'll know, I'll know in time and you'll put my hand on that handle and I'll open the door and I'll walk into a place I didn't even know existed because you are a faithful God and all you want me to do is to seek first you with everything I have. I remember several it was like three and a half years that I'd never even dated in my mid-twenties, late-twenties. I, I didn't even date him. I didn't was longer than that. I don't remember how long it was. I, I wouldn't date nobody. I just, it was me and Jesus. <laughs> me and Jesus. And people come up to me, Pastor JP, you seen that girl over there? Of course I've seen that girl over there. What do you think about her? I think she's a nice girl. But not the door of hope for me. <laughs> it's not my time. It's not God will show me. God will, God will reveal it to me. I'm not going to. And then I started getting up there in age, and I thought, well, you know what? I, maybe I'm one of those eunuchs the Bible talks about. You know what I'm saying? 
And I'm like, how come I've never heard a message on eunuchs? You know, I've never heard anyone preach about a eunuch. Maybe I should do some research about this guy. Maybe I'm that guy. But through that process of just walking with the Lord and seeking first his kingdom, whether it's single, whether it's being married, I promise you there is a door of hope for you, for your marriage. When I said to the couples yesterday, one of the things we said to them is that very thing. There is hope because there's a God. And Hosea went and grabbed this prostitute by the name of Gomer. You know what Gomer's name means? You get this. Her name means complete. What? Yeah. Complete. Perfected. Whole. What Hosea saw in a woman that was not complete was a woman through eyes of faith that, that with the help of God would become complete. And he came alongside of her and he pulled her into his world and he introduced her again into the plan that God had for her. She came back and became his wife again. He salvaged this woman who had went off the rails in a bad way. All because God wanted to preach a message to you thousands of years later. But there's hope in the valley of trouble. There's hope in a relationship that's in a mess. I was talking with a man, we had lunch. He said, JP, I just wanted to have lunch with you because I just want to let you know, I don't want you to feel bad about me, but I'm out. I'm out of my marriage, I'm out, I'm out. And I'm like, but God can, he goes, I know, I know you're gonna say that. So don't even say that. I'm just, I've given God everything he can do. I've given him all the opportunities he needs. <laughs> and I'm out. I said, okay. I'm not gonna talk to you anymore about it. He goes, I said, thank you. I just wanna let you know because I love you, appreciate you, but I'm out. I said, but you know, you can't stop me from praying for you. And I said, do you know God can heal things, right? He goes, I told you I don't wanna talk about it. I said, okay, I just, just want you to know God can heal. And he, in fact, he said this, he goes, I am so over it that the woman would have to become like Jesus for me to even consider the thought of me going back into that relationship. She would have to walk on water. I'm like, wow, okay. So we left the meeting, I hugged him, began to pray for him in that marriage. Well, I'll tell you this today, that he is like the happiest married man to the same woman that you would ever see in your life. Giggy, giggly, giddy, thank you. It's like, what is that, giggly? Giddy, giddy. Madly in love with this woman. 
a man that was like, oh, I'm out, I'm done. Worry, drawing up the paper that, to madly in love. I'm like, how does that happen? Oh, because, because God intervenes. God, interve- God intervenes, changes hearts. I watched it again just this past weekend, just people coming, sitting in chairs like this. And in my spirit, I didn't know anything about this, but I knew this, this, this was it, this was it, sitting like this. And before 24 hours was up, how does that happen? A door of hope. There's always a door of hope. There's always a door of hope. morning you may be here and you feel like there's no hope for me well let me just say this yes but it always starts with knowing Jesus you got to meet Hosea you got to meet Jesus if you meet Jesus you will find your purpose and Jesus can only come join you and be in relationship with you once you give your life to him once you repent, you ask him for forgiveness. I want to ask the prayer team to come down and stand in front with me right now. But you have to do your part. You come humbly before the Lord. And you say, God, I'm, I'm just here. I, 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 I'm, a, I'm in a mess. I'm in the valley of trouble. But I realize I need you. And when you give your heart to Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? Close your eyes. My question to you, if you're here, my friend, say, Pastor, I, I want to know this Jesus. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you to come up front. I'm going to do nothing. Say, Pastor, I want to know this Jesus you're talking about. I want him to be the Lord of my life. Right where you're at, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you right where you're sitting. Would you just raise your hand? Amen. Come, who else? Come on. Amen. Yes, see that? Everybody else, come on. I want to know Jesus as the Lord of my life. I want to know Jesus as the Lord of my life. Amen. Amen. I want to pray with you this morning. We're going to send a prayer team. They're going to pray with you as well. But let me just say this prayer with you right now. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this person that's raised their hand. We thank you that you love them, you care for them, and you desire the best for them. So, Father, as they, Lord, give their heart to you, as they repent, as they ask you to forgive them, as as they, Lord, give their life to you, we thank you for the new life that you're bringing them into. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.